Welcome to the North Sound Church Podcast. For more information about North Sound Church, please visit our website at northsoundchurch.com. Choir and orchestra, wouldn't that be wonderful to have them every Sunday? Yeah, that would be, uh, that would be so cool, but thank you for celebrating Easter um, with us, choir and orchestra. And uh, Donita and Sharon, first time in the choir this time around. Thank you, folks. And Patrick, back by popular demand on the bass, yeah? (laughs) That's great. Well, welcome to North Sound. We have had a wonderful morning already. Uh, We had a baptism after the first service, and uh, Mark and Vanessa were baptized I can't remember if, I, if I, I, I'm sure there are those of you here that have heard the story, but the, the short version of the Mark and Vanessa story is that we were in, um, a, a colleague and I were in uh, the restaurant at Arnie's restaurant for dinner, and uh, he's something of an evangelist. Um, I'm not. Uh, I, I just that, you know, it doesn't work as well for me. And uh, David um, said to our server, he said, this guy right here points to me as the pastor of the best church in Edmonds, and you ought to go there. <laughs> and I'm like, <laughs> like this. And Vanessa said, you know, we've been thinking we need to get to church. And they have been coming ever since now for several months, and today I had the opportunity to baptize Mark and Vanessa. So I have to, I have to tell David Nelms about that, uh, who was with us that day. Uh, and then Justice was baptized by his dad, uh, and Justice is in this service. So congratulations on that, Justice. What a wonderful thing to follow the Lord in the waters of baptism. Again, it's wonderful to welcome you all. In the first service, we had a couple that hadn't been back uh, since the pandemic began, two years. Some folks are being real careful, and, uh, and they were. And there may be others of you in the room for whom that has applied. Uh, we welcome you back. Um, Herb, I know this is your first time back in, uh, in, in a couple of years. And uh, Herb's wife, Lynn, has some autoimmune issues uh, right now, and so he's being very, very careful. But Instead of Herb coming to church, the pastoral staff has been going to Herb. Um, He is an orthopedic surgeon, and Pastor Allen, during the pandemic, got two new knees. Uh, And I got uh, my meniscus fixed. Um, It reminded me, did you know that Peter in the Bible was an orthopedic surgeon? So there there was a guy that was begging at the gate beautiful. Uh, he, he couldn't walk, and he was begging at the gate beautiful, and he begged for alms, and Peter gave him legs. Okay, okay. I'm, yeah. So on that note, um, a number of years ago, I did a, a draft of my Easter sermon and then read it later in the week. I did it a little early and read it later in the week, and, uh, and it wasn't very good. It wasn't very good at all. Um, I, early in the message, I quoted, I quoted Henry David Thoreau, that famous quote, most men live lives of quiet desperation. How's that for a start to an Easter sermon? I just... It just didn't work at all. So I realized I had to lighten things up, and so I I searched for some theology humor. Some theology humor. And um, 
Some of them were so funny that if you were near my office, you would, you, you would hear the guffaws from my office. They were so funny. Some were not appropriate, um, and so I, I, I didn't use those. Some people don't think I have much of a filter. Um, I know no, none of you feel that way, but some people do. And so Barb, Barb often screens my material, and if Barb doesn't, sometimes the staff screens my material. So what I'm going to share with you the staff has screened. Uh, this was several years ago that this took place. So we're going to begin a little bit lighter because the, the topic today is Theology 101. So when you go home today, you can say on Easter Sunday you went to seminary and you had a class called Theology 101. So we're going to get into that, but because it's going to get heavy, we're going to start light. So a cowboy walks into a pub in Sweetwater, Texas. And he orders three buds. Somebody who's from Texas in the first service said, no, nah, Texas, he wouldn't be ordering buds. Uh, it would be uh, some other kind of uh, refreshment, but not buds. Anyway, um, he orders three buds. We'll stick with that. And, uh, and he takes them to a table in the back, and he proceeds to drink the three beers. And then he goes back to the counter, and he, he gets another three. And the bartender says to him, is this a good joke for Sunday morning? Okay. The bartender says to him, um, sir, you know, it, it would be better, uh, the beer would be better and fresher if you took it one at a time because it goes flat over time. And he said, well, actually, there's a story about why I do it this way. He said, the reason is that I have a brother in Dublin, Ireland, and a brother in Australia. And on Wednesday evenings, our local time, we go to the local pub and we have three beers, one for each of us. It's our way of being together across the miles on Wednesday evenings. So it was fine. So he became a regular and they got used to him. But after a while, um, several months down the road, he switched from three beers to two beers. And, And when he ordered two instead of three with the regulars that were there on Wednesday evenings, um, it went silent. They, they, they figured a brother must have died. And so um, when he went to the, to the counter, you know, with his second, his second round of two beers, the bartender said to him, oh, I'm just, I'm, I'm terribly sorry uh, about your loss. You, you must be grieving. And the guy said, well, um, he, he, he pondered for a minute. And then, and then he realized he was puzzled, but he realized now what what the guy was saying. And he said, oh, no, 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 no. He said, my, my brothers are fine. It, it's all good. He said, but here's what happened. We went, my wife and I joined the local Baptist church in Sweetwater, and I can't drink anymore, but it hasn't affected my brothers. <laughs> okay. Okay, I got just one more for you this morning. It's going to get heavy. It starts light. It's going to get heavy. So God looks down and notices that Adam is all alone while all of the other animals have companions. And God feels bad for Adam. And uh, he comes to see him and he says to him, Adam, you're my greatest creation. Therefore, I am going to create for you the ultimate companion. He said... 
She will worship the very ground you walk on. She'll long for you and no other. She will be highly intelligent. She'll wait on you hand and foot. She'll obey your every command. It'll just cost you an arm and a leg. And Adam said, what can I get for a rib? (laughs) Okay, so this morning... You all are here from a variety of backgrounds. Some of you are from the North Sound family, and uh, some of you got dragged here by your mother who said, no Sunday lunch unless you come to church with me this morning. I won't ask for a show of hands, but you kind of uh, get it. Some of you may actually be wondering what Easter is all about. We uh, had um, Ethan and Thomas, Daddy and Mom, took them to the Easter egg hunt Yesterday here in Edmonds, it looked like so much fun. Uh, But there's another story besides bunny rabbits and eggs that we're going to talk about this morning. And so I hope that we can connect one way or another over about the next 15 minutes or so. Um, I will be briefer than usual. And everybody said, Amen. amen. Yes, thank you. So I grew up in Edmonton, Alberta, Canada, the land of the frozen chosen. And it's cold up there. It's about uh, 300 miles north of Great Falls, Montana. And uh, some of you may be familiar with the Edmonton Oiler hockey team. If you like hockey, um, they have had a great team over the years. Wayne Gretzky was a star that some folks are familiar with. I loved football, and I followed the team called the Edmonton Eskimos. Now, like the Washington Redskins, I think they're in the process of changing the name. But when I was young, that's what they were called. And uh, I loved, I rarely got to a game, but I loved it. And they had for kids something called the Knothole Gang. And the Knothole Gang put kids in the end zone uh, at a reduced ticket price. But the idea of the Knothole Gang was that there was a knothole in the fence of the ball field, football, baseball, whatever, and kids could come and look at the game for free through that knothole. And today in our talk about Easter, I'm going to give you three knotholes, three little pictures to look through to capture the meaning of Easter for us. So we're going to present a message that followers of Christ have been sharing for some 2,000 years and I want you to just remember three words. You don't have to take long notes today. Just uh, three words that I'd like you to remember. The first one is revelation. And revelation is about something I'm going to call whispers, not, not original with me. The word not only refers to the last book in the Bible. Some of you are familiar with what we call eschatology. I was in a, I was in a meeting um, this week um, In fact, I think, um, Mark, are you running the camera back there? Mark's running the camera. And uh, I was in a meeting um, on Monday. We were actually recording the pastor's forum on, I guess it was Wednesday of this week. And Mark happened to say, Pastor, I don't think I've ever heard you talk on the end times. And uh, I, it's probably, you know, talking about revelation in detail is probably something I haven't done. And part of it has to do with theology. Remember, we're talking about theology today. So when it comes to the end times, there are people who believe that Jesus is just going to appear. They're called amillennialists. And there are people that believe the church is just going to get better and better and better. And then Jesus is going to come. They're called uh, uh, post-millennialists. 
And then there are those that are the premillennialists, and they believe that Jesus is going to come before the millennium. And um, probably the reason that I don't preach a lot on Revelation is that I'm a pan-millennialist. I believe it'll all pan out in the end. And uh, we're not going to know all of the uh, all of the details. So there are another kind of revelation besides the revelation that we have in the book of Revelation, and that is the whispers of God that reveals to us who He is as we live our lives. God speaks to us. There was one great story when I was studying um, philosophy at the University of Washington. One of the major atheistic theologians who wrote from that perspective about the existence of God uh, was a guy by the name of Anthony Flew. And Anthony Flew uh, was, was obviously very bright, British philosopher, and I followed him somewhat. And in 2003, he had a debate at the Polytech University in uh, Cal Poly in uh, San Luis Obispo. And the fellow that he was debating was a guy by the name of Gary Habermas. And Gary Habermas was his philosophical uh, opponent that night arguing about the existence of God. But after they had gotten together there, they had developed a friendship. And in a phone call, Anthony Flew told him, told his friend Gary that he was beginning to have doubts about, about atheism. But it was a year later in 2004 that Anthony Flew, the atheist, turned and told Gary that he was moving in the direction of theism and eventually choose to believe in the existence of God. God whispers to us. He speaks to us in a whole variety of ways, and it may be through philosophical arguments or it may be in a variety of other ways. I want to talk about a few whispers through which God reveals himself. Somewhere we get the idea that life should be fair. Why do we, why do we have that feeling inside of us? Why is it internalized that life should be fair, that justice should be done? It seems that someone is whispering in our ear and putting into us and into our hearts the idea that something is wrong with an unjust world. And so we realize that we may have something more, that there may be something else, that we may be set for a place where justice is actually done living in a world that is put to rights, a world that is as it should be. Many of us have felt the life we're living maybe isn't too far off that perspective, but we hear an echo of a voice whispering in our ear that there is more. It's a whisper of spirituality. It's a whisper that says something is more than the physical world. Something is more than what we can experience with the senses. That there is a spiritual reality that draws us beyond the physical. And we look at questions like, is life supposed to have meaning? Does my life have purpose? And we become curious. We have whispers. And then we hear an echo of the voice in our relationships as well. Many marriages begin in heaven and seem to end in hell. God's intention is not for that, for us. 
Even the beauty of sex ends up getting used instead of the icing on the cake of a beautiful relationship. It's commercialized and commodified on the internet. There's an echo of a voice that's whispering in our ear about another time and place where love rules relationships and relationships work the way that they are intended to work. And then we also hear an echo in beauty. Barb and Scotty went on Friday up to the Skagit Valley tulips. And while I wasn't able to join them, she sent me some of the pictures they took up there. And it's so beautiful. The, the, The beauty in a micro way with the flowers themselves and the fields uh, but, but even the Skagit Valley, the mountains, the greenery, the, the snow-covered hills, it's just, it's a whisper. It's a whisper of God speaking to us in beauty. Sometimes beauty touches our hearts in a way that we are overcome. We hear that whisper in our ear that we were made for beauty and that there is a place where beauty is the usual experience, not the unusual experience. The second keyhole onto the resurrection, the cross and the resurrection, is the word atonement. Atonement. And the, the meaning behind that is the idea of restoration. We gather each Easter morning and we celebrate the joy. We sing the song, Christ the Lord is risen today. We, we celebrate the day. We enjoy it so much. But we wouldn't have today if it weren't for the cross on Friday. On Friday, we had a tenebrae service here in which Lee led us in an exploration of the cross, the different stations of the cross as we move with Christ from his arrest to his death on the cross. There's no Easter without the cross, but the cross is that place where Jesus became the means by which our sins are forgiven. You know the story the need in our lives because we're all sinners. We all mess up. We all fail. Adam and Eve are the, the, the couple that their experience is really a picture of our experience. They were made for relationship with God and with others, but they wanted to be like God. And so they yielded to the one thing that God asked them not to do. And then they tried to hide themselves and God came to them in the garden seeking reconciliation He gave them a people and eventually gave people, gave us his son on the cross to become the means by which our sins are forgiven so that that relationship can be restored. We call that theologically the atonement, but it's actually quite easy to understand. It is the at-one-ment. The atonement is the at-one-ment, meaning we are made at one with God through the cross And we recognize that this Resurrection Sunday. Broken relationships are restored through the cross and the resurrection. In 2011, I had the privilege of baptizing Jim Johansson. Don't everybody look right now, but Jim is that handsome young man in the back running sound for us this morning. And... When we do a baptismal service, including what we did today, we have those who are being baptized share with us about their journey to faith. And uh, we, we shared those this morning, but I still have Jim's notes 
from when he was baptized in 2011. And this is what Jim said to those who gathered for his baptism. He said, the person that first came to North Sound Church 16 months ago is gone. At first, little pieces went away, were changed with the help of Pastor Barry's sermons, the worship team, and a wonderful small group. Then came Alpha. The first time through was powerful and enlightening. Second time through was life-changing. He said, the weekend away sealed it. And now I find myself looking for ways to be more Christ-like. Still falling short, but looking for ways to be more Christ-like. I'm encouraged by reading the Bible and the glorious pursuit, listening to my iPod favorites, C.S. Lewis, amen, Uh, C.S. Lewis, Mere Christianity, Bill Hybels, the Bible Study Podcast, and the God Pod Podcast. I find that my thoughts are never far from my Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Jim discovered firsthand, experientially, the atonement that he was made at one with God through the cross and the resurrection. And indeed, that leads us to our last keyhole look at this day, and that is the resurrection, which is an experience of life. The scriptures say, he is not here. He is risen, just as he said. So if the atonement is about Jesus' death on the cross, what's the meaning of the resurrection? Well, the resurrection assures us that Jesus wasn't just a good man who had a tragic death, but in fact, he was the son of God. And what was said about him and what he said about himself and what he did with his life were true. And that's why 2,000 years later, we gather at North Sound Church and 2 billion Christians around the world gather this Sunday, or in a couple of weeks, our Eastern Orthodox friends celebrating Easter, celebrating the resurrection. The reason we have such joy is that we have enormous hope in the midst of the challenges of life. And I don't have to tell you, life has tremendous challenges. As a Navy chaplain, I had an opportunity to come alongside, excuse me, come alongside folks in the midst of the challenges of life. One of the early experiences as a Navy chaplain working with the Coast Guard was getting a phone call in the morning and getting my uniform ready and getting on an airplane to Southern California to go up to Coast Guard Station Channel Islands because Alaska Airlines Flight 261 had been flying at 18,000 feet And because of a mechanical issue with the jack screw for the elevator, it it went completely up. And so the plane pitched up and couldn't maintain controlled flight, went over, inverted, and into a dive um, 18,000 feet in 81 seconds into the water. And the Coasties were there looking for remains, looking for perchance someone was alive, looking for debris so that they could look further into the cause of the crash. And we were there to come alongside them. It's a difficult time. You may remember some of the Seattle families that were impacted by that crash. Another phone call came in September of 2001 asking me to come to Washington, D.C. because 9-11 had just happened. The aircraft went into the side of the Pentagon. And, of course, we watched in New York as the aircraft went into the World Trade Center, both of the towers. 
And flying back to Washington to serve with those who were grieving, I remember one day in the the Pentagon Family Assistance Center, which was held in the Sheraton Hotel, the Army general who was briefing the families had a question and answer time, and the question was asked, can we have some of the rubble from the Pentagon to remember our family by? Because if you recall, the aircraft that went into the Pentagon had just left the airport with a full load of fuel, so when it went into the building, there was, just, there was a massive fireball that consumed pretty much everything in its path. The army general said, I'm sorry, we can't because it's a biohazard right now. But eventually they were able to give them something to remember their families by. These folks' lives changed dramatically overnight. And then in early September 2005, there was another series of phone calls and emails. Hurricane Katrina, Category 5 hurricane with winds of 175 miles an hour hit the Gulf Coast and The Coast Guard set up a Coast Guard headquarters in Alexandria, Virginia, and I had the privilege of joining them there and then driving down to Baton Rouge and then into into, um, New Orleans. And I was trying desperately to get in before dark because New Orleans at this time was a scary place. In fact, I discovered that no personnel could go out without an armed guard with them in New Orleans at this time. And I remember I had to go back to get supplies after already heading in, so now I'm heading in at nighttime. And I remember the state trooper that had the barricade not letting people in, looking down, seeing that I was a chaplain, and then seeing all of these supplies and uh, reached down and said, God bless you, man. Having a cop tell you that was like, I wonder what I'm actually going to be getting into here. So many people had their lives turned upside down as a result of Katrina. Friends, you know about these events since we've seen unfold destruction in so many other ways, including right now in Ukraine. Such a senseless, senseless situation where the infrastructure of a country is being destroyed, where brutality is running wild. It's so difficult to understand evil like that. We ourselves experience deep brushes with evil, sickness, darkness, and death in our own lives. This morning, I got an email from Shirley Langsey, who is a part of the North Sound family, saying unexpectedly yesterday, her 53-year-old son had a massive heart attack and died. We know something about evil. We know something about tragedy. We know something about darkness. On Friday, I met with the family of Edmonds police officer, Tyler Stiffens, who was tragically killed in Las Vegas a few weeks ago. This family had their lives turned upside down. Their world is now radically different. I I don't need to go on and on about pain. We all know what it is to experience pain. The pandemic has been painful for all of us. The costs that many of us have paid during this time has been very high. But friends, I stand before you this morning because Easter stands out like a beacon, reminding us that this world is not all there is, that Jesus has overcome the world, and the resurrection is proof that there's more to life and the experiences that we are having right now. 
At Easter, we greet one another with the words, He is risen, because they are words that remind us of the cross and resurrection. They remind us that our lives now have meaning and purpose, but these whispers that speak to us are reminders that because of the resurrection, we are looking forward to one day when things will be so much better, so dramatically different. When we join together with our Lord. I like the way P.T. Forsyth put it. He said, the far country is the place where you become disillusioned with who you are. You are in the far country at that point with the world when you say, is that all there is? And the Father says, of course not. Come home. Let's pray together. Lord, we thank you this morning for Easter. We thank you, Lord, that through the cross, we hear the Father's voice saying, come home. And so, Lord, I pray today for all who gather that because of the cross, because of the resurrection, we know that there is more to life than what we experience right now. And your message to us, to each one of us today, is to come home. And for that, we give you thanks in Jesus' name.